0: Welcome to Freedom Cast, a podcast dedicated to interviewing star icons and entrepreneurs who have encouraged others to become more healthy and active. My name is Ashton, and it's my pleasure to host you as we take another trip through the fitness industry. It's entertaining and informative, and I hope it makes fitness more exciting and special to you in your own fitness journey. Freedom Cast is supported by Freedom Fitness Equipment in Charlotte, North Carolina. Freedom Fitness Equipment serves the health and fitness community nationwide, from free weights and strength equipment for home gyms and studios, to cardio and conditioning equipment for commercial spaces. Check them out at freedomfitnessequipment.com. Let's get rolling with today's show. All right, we're here with uh, Rob from Brutal Iron in... We're, I'm sorry, we're in South Carolina now? Rock it's, Hill. It's south in Rock Carolina. Hill. Yes, awesome. just
1: below Charlotte, about 10, 15 minutes south of Charlotte. Awesome. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I was just talking with uh, Justin from Strength Empire. He recommended I come and swing by and say, hey. Yes, and, thank uh, you, Justin. Yeah. You. Um, <laughs> this guy's got an awesome gym. We're going to post the uh, gym tour here, just the equipment and everything that uh, he's got. But um, he's got a great setup. And thank uh, you. I just wanted to talk to you about the business. And how the gym got started but also your background and uh, the kinds of training and things that you've done and membership and all that stuff but yeah, yeah can you give me a little bit of background just about you and okay.
1: and the gym yes so I uh, started the gym in 2011 actually it was uh, February 14th It was actually like Valentine's Day gift to myself yeah. it just worked out that way um, I had uh, my undergrad was in health and phys ed so I went through the teaching process, got teaching certification, and realized I loved the teaching part, I loved the kids, but I didn't like all the paperwork and all the extra crap. Uh, so it was something where I had actually started personal training before college as like a senior in high school. And so I was always personal training like during college, and I was like, oh, I kind of like that better than I would like teaching. But it, uh, where we grew up was the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania, so being a personal trainer wasn't like a career for what we knew about it. So I went and did the teaching certification Decided I wasn't quite sure If that's what I wanted to do So I decided to do a master's And I wanted to do a master's in nutrition So I had been learning more about food on my own And training clients I wanted to learn kind of the more science of it So I could do a better job with myself and with clients Mm -hmm. So I actually was looking at different places And my mom uh, gave me a 500 mile radius as a rule I couldn't move further from home than 500 miles So I had uh, college in Florida that offered like a graduate assistantship, and then Winthrop University here in Rock Hill. Yeah. And from our driveway at home in Pennsylvania to the dr- to my apartment, I ended up getting was 500.1 miles. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so right on the dot. So I got <laughs> so I got away with the point one. Uh, so I moved down and I started grad school. And throughout grad school, the program for the master's in nutrition really sets you up to kind of work in a hospital, or work in like um like public schools it was more so like nutrition for like health and there was actually zero classes about nutrition for aesthetics like how you would eat to change the way you look and then there was only one class one three credit class the entire process about uh, sports or like performance nutrition yes so i was very bummed because that's actually i I wanted to know about the health stuff because I don't want to kill people, but I was really excited (laughs) to learn more about aesthetic nutrition and uh, performance nutrition, but it really wasn't part of the program. Mm. So I went through and I got to the point where you would then go to your internship to do registered dietitian. and. I actually had two of my professors as clients at the time because I knew a lot about aesthetic nutrition and performance, but they knew as much as you know they could know about health because they were teachers. They knew yeah. everything about health, but they didn't know how to look a certain way based on how they ate. Oh, wow. So I started working with them and they had advised me actually to go to not do the registered dietitian program oh. because it would then allow me to give kind of freedom of giving advice in the sense to where the way they presented to me was if I became a registered dietitian, if I gave advice that was counter to, like, the government recommendations, uh, I would have potential being risked to be sued. So it was interesting in the sense, and plus it was like a nine-month internship that you would had to pay for all the credits yourself, and I was like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be so expensive, I can't work the whole time because it was a 40-hour week plus, and then you actually weren't allowed to work. So there's a whole bunch of logistics behind it, and I was like, you know what, I'll just – I'll open my own gym uh, because I'd been talking to gyms by the end of my graduate degree and talking about being like a personal training director. And a lot of Mm -hmm. them wanted a higher percentage of money than what I wanted to give up if I was going to do all the work. So they they had a room with equipment, and then they were going to take – 60 some percent of my money oh, pfft, to that. bring in like all the clientele to bring on <laughs> stuff. And I was like, for 60%, I can just make my own room full of equipment. So I decided to open my own gym. Nice. <laughs> so I graduated in two th- December of 2010. Mm-hmm. And I remember on Thanksgiving break, so a month before I graduated, I went home and told my parents, I was like, I think i want to open a gym. And they're like, okay, and they're awesomely supportive. So I then came back, took my finals, and I signed the paperwork for the lease here and did all this stuff and started it by February. Nice. So, yeah, so I decided to open a gym and then started it in three months. Wow. So I did it complete backwards as to what I would tell anyone to do. Yeah. Because before I opened, I never read a business book at all. Wow. So then once I opened, I started reading more about business because I want to be better. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And one of the books I read was E-Myth Revisited. Yes. yes, And it was an awesome book, but it was hilarious because that book essentially told me I should not have opened a business (laughs) 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 because I was uh, like a technician. I loved doing the work, Yeah. but my least favorite part of owning a business is the financial stuff, all the other Mm. crap you have to do other than... Being a personal trainer and talking to people. Right. Yeah. So um, I'm glad I read my business books afterwards. Yep. And we're actually been in business now for over 10 years. Nice. So I'm I'm glad I did it. Uh, It's just funny, though, knowing that if I would have looked too much into it, I probably wouldn't have done it. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes. So that's my undergrad is in health and phys ed. My graduate degree is in... Uh, human nutrition. Okay. Yeah, I have a personal training certification through ACSM, which I got uh, back. I think when I was 20 or 21 years old. Mm-hmm. At the time, I just Googled best personal training certification. ACSM came up, so I did it. And then I recently got a corrective exercise specialist degree through NASM, and that was just a. Uh, uh, this is gonna sound bad but it was for just interest i wanted to see if i could do it yeah so i took the test i paid like to take the test just took the test and passed it and then got it on like a weekend because i'd already known enough i've been doing it enough so i was very lucky that um i didn't have to buy the book and take out courses and stuff i knew enough of the information to pass it so that was cool so yes that's amazing so that's the formal educational part okay
0: Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, how has the gym grown from? Uh, is, is this been the only location that you've ever had, or? Yep.
1: Okay. Yeah. So uh, it was interesting that I. This is a, a large enough space that I could go in debt just enough to recover. So thankfully, we're debt free now. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. But at first, I had to take out a loan to get the equipment and whatnot. And this was about the size I felt I could train my clients, but also my clients could come back in between our sessions and work out. Okay. So I'd worked out at other gyms and trained out of other gyms, and you'd see clients, they'd come in for their one or two sessions a week and then never work out in between, and it's, of course, not going to get great results. So I wanted to provide a place that they could come back and do workouts on the equipment I was teaching them in the environment that I could control. So it it worked out well with this size. I would looked at a couple other locations, and this was the one that was on the edge of what I thought I could afford. Okay. So we started out here. It's 3,500 square feet if yep. you count the offices. Okay. And then I got very lucky as out front there's a canopy that runs the entire front of the building. Yep. So we have a – it's roughly, if I take a guess, I think it's about like 10 feet wide, but it's like 100 feet long. That's all covered in canopy. So we use that to do like yoke carries, like yoke walks, farm, farmer's carries. Mm-hmm. So it gave me a bunch of extra actual space because even if it's raining, it's covered in its dry. Yeah. So I got kind of free space in that way, and it's written into, like, my contract that I'm allowed to use it. Okay. So yay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we started it, and then within the first year, I realized that I really liked the training part, not so much the businessy stuff. So whenever I had opportunities to expand and, you know, people would talk about that, I'd usually say no because it, it was it would turn into more of what I didn't like mm. and less of what I did like. So the bigger the business, the more you have to do the behind-the-scenes work. And I liked the training. I liked working with people, so I didn't want to add more space. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm -hmm.
0: This is a pretty incredible gym. Uh, We were walking through doing that tour. Um, You were showing me a couple of pieces that your dad has actually welded. Can you talk a little bit about his background and the kind of stuff that you guys have done?
1: Yeah, so he used to work. uh, His father owned a coal mining business, and in order to just save money, they all learned how to fix the equipment themselves. So if something broke and it was metal, they would learn to weld it. You know, and so he had a welding background. I think he's learned how to weld when he was like 14. So he's been welding his entire life. It's been um, after he was doing the coal mining, he went and did a different job, but had excavating landscaping as a second job. And that still involved machinery and still having to weld things or change things. So he'd modify things on his backhoe or bulldozer on his own. So whenever I got into the gym, there became, like I told you about, the one need we had was a belt squat. I had a client who had limitations with what pressure could be put on their their spine. So we had limitations using a leg press, like even a leg extension, half squat. So we really had trouble finding ways for them to train their legs more than just, you know, dumbbell, goblet squat (laughs) so there's eventually going to be a maximal load for that so i asked him and i said hey you know there's these things called belt squats i can't afford a brand new one do you think we can make one so he actually said yes of course and uh so we went ahead and made one and we at the time we made the only one that had a like a weighted pull-up option weighted dip option it had a bench that was already on the machine and it was adjustable it has band peg apparatus it has uh multiple settings for where it can be racked so some of the various options out there they only have two settings and it's if you're a tall person you have to do half of a squat to rack it or if you're a short person you have to do like a calf raise to get it to rack so ours has like 12 different heights you can rack the weight at so that way it's a little bit easier to rack and unrack for people so that was one of the things we made we made our own uh, bench press so we have the to the best of my knowledge the only standalone reverse band bench press Hmm. so it's the only one that can be loaded with bands from the top so we went ahead and made that, and it has like a auto uh, spotter for you, so you can actually pull the bar out over top of you. It kicks out over top of you. Oh, yeah. Then when you pick up, it'll fall away. Heck yeah. So that's pretty cool. We made a couple other like uh, inventions and things. So like I have a clip on our Concept 2 rower that changes out the clip, the kind of the way in which it connects to the handle, mm-hmm. to where we have it now. You can connect any handle you want to our Concept uh-huh. rower. So I'll actually use uh, jump loops like a, um, from Spud Inc. Mm-hmm. And we do a lot of face pulls for people. Oh, wow. We do a lot of thoracic work on our rower. So we'll actually have them put their feet on the ground, just use the, the sliding seat, and then use different pathways. So we even do, like, rotational movements off that. So it's been very fun to use the place to kind of research and experiment. Uh, and with my dad, we can then just make anything I want. <laughs> so it's really cool. That's mm-hmm. awesome
0: um what's been uh what's been your favorite part about owning the gym
1: uh it's definitely been the people and the connections and stories and then very selfish reason i can work out anytime i want That's on nice. the equipment that i want so it's very nice so very personally uh, uh nice benefit there but it's really been um and it's so cliche but it's true you get to meet a lot of awesome people you get to help a lot of people so the stories of changes you can make in people's lives is by far like what'll keep you going through the tough times of trying to make things work whenever it's not so easy to make them work. <laughs> sure. Sure. So yes, like in the first couple years, I remember like I had one morning I woke up and my bank account was minus $400 and it was like, okay, well that's lovely. <laughs> so you go through the whole day trying to like figure out a way to make up 400 bucks. And at the time I was still trying to develop the culture of the gym and we I'm trying my best to make sure that who we have is all good people. Okay. So, yeah. I know everybody's first name. No one's going to come in here screaming, you know, curse words. No one like I've kicked people out for like if they were trying to like hit on a girl in an inappropriate way. Yeah. You know, I'm like this is somebody's mother, somebody's sister, yeah. you know, so like they're a human beings. Don't do that. So we'd kick them out. Yeah. And I remember on that day I actually kicked out two people uh, and just said no to their money because I remember telling my parents I would rather go out of business doing it the right way. Then stay in business doing it the wrong way because there's I wouldn't want to wake up and come to the place if I didn't feel, you know, like it was the right place. So that was something I got very lucky with in the sense that even though I kicked them out, I still had a client who owed me some money and they paid me on that day and it covered it. So everything's been um, the first couple of years were definitely rocky. I was training 50 hours in person a week. And then I was writing their nutrition and training plans for free. I was training twenty dollars an hour just to get people through oh, the door, <laughs> and it included nutrition and training plans for free. What a steal! So and it was all individualized. So I'd actually write their own nutrition plan, their own training plan for them, and uh, so it was fifty hours in person a week, and then plus all that, plus cleaning the place. It was overwhelming for sure, um, but got through it for the first couple of years, and it's all worked out since. Yeah. Wow.
0: what's the clientele like now so is the gym geared towards uh, powerlifting or strongman or just general weightlifting or anything like that
1: Uh, it's funny in a sense that I when I first opened it I was like well, I'll buy a little bit of everything and then I'll see who comes Yeah. so I bought a couple like we have a straw man stuff so we have a full stone set that my parents and I made from stone molds ourselves oh, wow. we built the platforms ourselves and everything uh, and there was a couple of mistakes that were made Those funny stories <laughs> so we have a bunch of straw man stuff enough that people would be able to compete in yeah. we have all the specialty powerlifting stuff that you would need and we have plenty enough for bodybuilding um, so my thought was whoever comes I'll buy more well, of course, everybody came in equal amounts, and I just had to compete to buy everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, so it was. I was like, "crap," <laughs> but um. So over the years, we've been trying to expand blended uh and we do have people who they're just learning what a barbell and a dumbbell are so like what the difference of that is Mm -hmm. and then we have people who've had like actually like world records and people who are pro cards and what they do and yeah so it's kind of awesome in the sense that we have such a big blend of people yeah yeah. and um i really love that because my i can't cover everything we're a 24-hour facility i can't be here all the time so to know that we have members who are well experienced well educated and they're awesome people Mm -hmm. so they're going to help out and give advice to the other people so it's really cool kind of community feel people tend to like find their niche like if they come at 5 p.m at night they'll have a couple other people who always come at that time they'll kind of work together Mm -hmm. so it's nice that you've find people like uh, creating friendships in like small little groups. Yep. Yeah, yep. so when I first when I first opened everybody came because they knew me. Right. So therefore I had to be the communicator of everything yeah. and everything like revolved around me. And I very quickly realized that that was going to create a limitation for mm-hmm. the business. So I was lucky that I got a couple of personal trainers to come in and help me out. Mm-hmm. So because I had 50 hours a week, I couldn't train any more people. Yeah. So when people kept coming, I kept asking like people who I knew were good people. So when the first couple of people who trained for me, I laughed. I told them is I know how to make you a good trainer. So I taught at Winthrop. One of the things I taught was weight training. Mm-hmm. And I've been teaching like my whole life. So I was like, I can make you a good trainer. I can't make you a good person. So if you're a good person, I can use that to then make you a good trainer. Ah, there we go. Because we have had experiences where, you know, somebody came in with a good background, Mm -hmm. but they weren't a good person. And it was kind of a pain in the butt, and eventually, they cleared that out. But as good people came in, became good trainers, that helped spread things out more than just me being the center of everything. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: Um, What is so – Oh, uh, can you talk a little bit about how the the stone, the issues he had with making those stones you mentioned?
1: Oh, okay, <laughs> yes. So we got us. Uh stone molds from Slater stones yeah, yeah, and they were basically just like half of a plastic circle and another half and then you like are duct tape them together you pour cement inside and then it's supposed to solidify and make a stone Sounds so, like a the so yes so uh, so one of the moments was I, I tried to make one myself I didn't get the right mixture of anything and it settled with a big flat spot on the bottom oh. so when I took that out we now use that and we flip it over and lay it on the flat side mm-hmm. and that's our anchor for our battle ropes Ah, <laughs> so i can just go. roll that around and then no matter how hard somebody pulls that stone's 300 and some pounds yeah. so they're not going to move that mm-hmm. so it's a nice awesome kind of mobile station now mm-hmm. uh, for our jump rope and then uh well, you know, battle ropes yep and then when we first made the platforms i had talked to some other people on stones and i was like well, what do you need to put under the stone to protect the floor mm-hmm. so they said oh you know two horse stall mats will do so of course i use that put the stone up roll the stone off it hits and it just doesn't bounce it just kind of hits and i was like oh no (laughs) so i cracked the floor so we had to yeah so we had to (laughs) cut up the carpet we had to put in like uh like all new cement like reinforce the area put the carpet back down so then we made the big platform that we have now of like uh i don't even know how long those boards are i think they're like 10 foot long Mm -hmm. so it's like 10 by 10 platform and it's uh, a layer of like like 2 by 10s uh, like flat, another layer, then like plywood, then another layer, then rubber mats. So that way we definitely would not break the floor again. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. So it was interesting in learning. Um, now, this was me being stubborn and trying to do it myself For I asked my dad. So my dad, um, he is the typical, like, dad where he knows everything about everything of course so i try to do stuff on my own and then i'll come back to him and be like dad yeah, screw it up can you please fix this?" <laughs> so he came <laughs> back and like showed me how to do it everything and then we ended up making the molds so we have stones from 135 all the way up to 445 wow so pretty big range we actually had um a couple of professional strongman he would come in they've lifted the 445 Oh wow. so one guy his name's adam sure he's on tv now He'd wwe wrestling under nice. name uh, braun strowman i think is his name on okay. wwe but he used to come and train with another guy named david hansen and they would throw around that 445 like it was nothing so we had kicked around the idea of making maybe a 500 pound stone uh by that point he had actually suffered an arm injury and then had to quit straw man and then started doing wwe okay gotcha, yeah gotcha. So
0: incredible mm-hmm. um as far ha, have you competed or done anything uh as far as like a uh, strongman or powerlifting or anything like that mm-hmm.
1: yeah i did uh two strongman competitions when i was like younger in the sense of like just starting the gym and trying <laughs> to figuring out stuff uh as you can imagine, with 50 hours a week of clients and doing all the paperwork, I wasn't eating very well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, unfortunately, I got injured in both of those. Oh, so no. that was, that was a bummer. Oh. Uh, I got injured in both. And then I did power thing. I've done a couple meets. Mm-hmm. And, unfortunately, I got injured in one of those, too. Oh, and it was I had been training on one of the days. I was training from 10 a.m. till 7 at night straight through just hour after hour after hour after hour so i maybe drank like one bottle of water that was it and my training partner came in at seven so we started squatting and i tore a hamstring Mm. muscle so it's been um self-inflicted like stupidity where i'm trying to be great at everything and it unfortunately catches me every now and then so but i have competed in straw man i have competed in um powerlifting now i've helped clients compete in pretty much everything yeah but those are the two that i have personal experience with and then i have dieted for an aesthetic competition a couple times okay but just didn't didn't like the way i looked yet so i didn't want to get on stage yet which is typically what i tell them not to worry about but of course i'm going to worry about it (laughs) so uh but yeah so i've done uh i haven't gotten on stage with that yet but i've helped people earn pro cards so I've been backstage with them, and I know what's all entailed with it and all that stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah, what What does it take, anyway, to get to, just so people understand, like, uh, at at the professional level, like, you're talking about, like, IFBB pros, right? Yeah, so
1: I've helped people get, like, non-tested and tested pro yeah. cards. Okay. So, yeah, so, yeah, it's, uh, I think, out of all the sports that I've helped people do, which is pretty much everything, so it's been, like, aesthetic competitions, which be, like, bikini, figure, wellness, uh, physique, classic physique, bodybuilding, all that stuff, uh, powerlifting, and we've helped people, like, uh, get top 50 totals, like, elite totals, um, like, tons of state records so very high level in that yeah. and then helped with crossfit games athletes i've helped olympic athletes oh, cool. doing like nutrition plus training plus like corrective therapy stuff we did yeah. out front which is why we have a bunch of like bmx jerseys from the olympics nice. so they gave them to us for free so that was cool wow. so um so i've helped people even professional athletes so we have helped a little bit of everybody and bodybuilding at the highest level is by far one of the most like probably the most difficult sport that sounds like it, yeah. because 24-7, everything you do matters. Yeah. Like how much you sleep matters, how well you sleep matters, how much you eat, how well you eat. So it's over- well, it's overwhelming that every single factor matters. Mm. So that's the toughest one. And with that, I mean, literally everything you eat all day can factor into whether you're going to be your best or not. Yeah. If somebody's just starting, they don't need the top end of what it takes like for somebody to be a pro. But at the pro level, I mean, you're looking at the digestion rate of every food you eat. So the digestion rate of the protein sources that you eat throughout the day, you need to know the individual digestion rate of the individual protein. But plus also if you pair that with fats, it slows down the digestion. If you have it with certain types of carbohydrates, it can slow it down or actually not influence it negatively at all. So if you want something to eat protein now and you want the protein in your bloodstream in three hours, there's a certain food that will do that. Versus a food that you want to eat before you go to bed then have the protein breaking down like the whole hours of being asleep. Mm-hmm. So 8 to 10 hours, there's a certain protein that will do that. So you have to make sure you time your nutrition correctly so that way you have protein in your bloodstream at all times, plus you have the right amount of energy to where you're providing energy for your training, but you're not having surplus of energy at other times. So you can actually lose fat, but you don't undereat and underperform. So there's a bunch of layers to it. So yeah, wow. very, very... Um, involved but i love that stuff yeah so i definitely love all the sciency nerdy type things mm-hmm. so i like trying to perfect things that can't be perfected yeah um which is hysterical but i love that because it just it's it's fun to see what you're capable of yeah so can you put together the perfect nutrition plan right and that's different for every single person and that's mm-hmm. different from one person from day to day mm-hmm. so like i've helped people who have kids and if their kid has you know a baseball event on a Saturday, you're going to be eating a lot differently than if they were in school on Friday. Yeah. So if you have most of the day to yourself and you're not traveling anywhere on Friday, that's a lot different than traveling and doing, you know, sports and weather activities on the weekends. Yeah. So,
0: mm. That is insane. Yeah. I mean, people, I don't think people would just comprehend the level of difficulty at the pro level, um, yeah. particularly, particularly, like you said, for bodybuilding, it just, I, in some ways, is superhuman. <laughs>
1: yeah, it it takes an enormous amount of dedication, and people can do it and still have families and have kids. Sure, but it, it is it's very it's more challenging if yeah. you have families and kids. Yeah, uh, it's still possible, but it does take attentiveness all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: That's crazy. Uh, anybody that we so you said you trained Olympic athletes.
1: Yeah, I do, I do not know their names. I apologize I was if curious. you're going to listen to this. But, um, <laughs> yeah, like I've helped uh, like Olympic swimmers, uh, BMX athletes, like in here in Rock Hill, mm-hmm. uh, I think within the last two or three years, they built, uh, it might even be longer than that, but they built uh, a BMX track in town. Okay. And they had like the World Games. Oh, uh, wow. The first year they had built it. And so we had athletes come in from everywhere. So the first team to give us a jersey was actually the French team. I had helped one of their athletes with, uh I forget what the problem was, probably like a shoulder problem or hip no, problem. Uh, and they asked if they could pay me, and I was like, nah, don't worry about it. So they had their whole team sign a jersey, and they gave it to me, <laughs> which was awesome. So I thought that was really cool. So I yeah. put it up on the wall. Well, then, of course, all the other teams were like, well, screw this. We're not going to have, <laughs> you know, French be the only team that has a jersey over. So they started giving me, so I have a jersey from, like, uh Canada, uh, Russia, the Brazil, no Japan. Way. Yeah, so I've been able to work with all of them in various ways when they come into town. Wow. So it's been really cool doing that. I worked with Olympic Swimmer for nutrition. Um, just a lot of, like, variety, which mm. is really cool. So that's been a lot of fun, yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow,
0: I can't imagine.
1: How did how did people start hearing
0: about you? Like, was it was just word well, of mouth? Or?
1: Uh, it was actually they uh, – one of the BMX teams I forget which was the first one to come they had they were looking for a gym in town cuz okay. they came for the for the race, and right. they were in for town for like a week or so. Okay. And they're like, Well, we want to get a workout or two in. Mm-hmm. So they were driving looking for gyms, and, they, and right next to us is a Planet Fitness. Right. So we actually share a wall with the Planet Fitness. Oh. So they had driven past, past the Planet Fitness and kind of went in, looked around. It wasn't what they would have needed for sport training. So on their way out, one of the athletes happened to just look back and saw our sign that said Brutal Iron Gym because we're on just like the side of the building. Yeah. So they're like, Well, with that name, they've got to have some barbells or something. So they turned around, and came in and then since they started they told all the other teams that we were here so it just kind of built through word of mouth from that so thankfully wow. one athlete happened to look backward <laughs> nice. one day and it found us yes and that was before um uh since i am like this is i'm built a business and it's all myself doing everything yeah. at the time i had gotten emails from google to verify my business, like like, to make sure that I could be on Google searches. Right. And there was like four million things I gotta do and I'm trying to like forward mail from the stupid mailbox I have to walk around like a mile to the other side of the building. (laughs) So I missed like this thing that they had sent me. So at the time I actually wasn't even registered on like Google. Oh wow. So when they searched for gyms in town I wouldn't have come up. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> so, so yes, good business lesson is please put yourself <laughs> on Google. That'll help. Um, but, yeah, so at the time, like, so now that like, I have a website, now that we have show up on Google and, like, we have been doing the podcast, there's not more recognition now. Yeah, so, yeah. Which sure. is awesome.
0: What inspired you to start that podcast anyway?
1: Uh, I was actually invited to be on another podcast. On uh, um, I think it was Bacon bibles and barbells or okay. some, some combination of that yeah and um they had talked to jen thompson who was yes. probably the best female powerlifter of all time um so she lives in denver north carolina oh. and we've hosted uh there's a iron sisters and they do uh, kind of like a weekend powerlifting seminar for females oh. and it, it at the time it was her um kimberly wofford bonica uh Law or Bernica Brown, I'm not sure what her last name is now, uh, and they would come and host it. So at the time, it was like the world's like best female dent- uh, deadlifter, best female bench presser, and best female squat, yeah. and they would come together and do a weekend. So uh, through one of the athletes I was working out, um, they Jennifer had known through that athlete that we existed, so they asked if they could do a seminar here, and I said absolutely as long as my mom can join, nice. <laughs> so because my mom does uh, powerlifting now, so so we didn't take any. Fee or anything. They just got to come and do their whole camp and everything as long as my mom got to do it. Um, so, through them, uh, Jennifer was on that podcast and then she mentioned me. So, then they came and kind of talked to me. I thought doing a podcast was really fun. And at the time, uh, I don't know if it's TMI, I was going through a little bit of like a de- kind of depressive time. Okay. Yeah. So, I was really overwhelmed, stressed, really uh, just rough, rough time. So, for me, the idea of a podcast was it's something that I could give information to the world and it would increase my self-perception of value. So it'd make me feel better about myself. Yeah. So I, I was like, you know what? I, I could do that. Like I love teaching. I love talking. So I'll do that. So I went ahead and kind of signed up on Podbean and I did the first one. And then I started looking into like, okay, well... What helps a podcast grow? So one of the biggest things was frequency. So I just started. I was like, I'll just do a podcast every day. And it's now been 1,016 days, and I've done a podcast like every day. So, yeah, so it started from being on somebody else's podcast and enjoying that experience and going from there. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, have you had – is it just you, or do you have a guest on your podcast? Every uh, it's so just often? me. Okay.
1: Yeah, I, um, uh, I'm an introvert by nature, which yeah. will sound weird because I haven't shut up the whole time. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> so um, – I don't like being held accountable to certain schedules and things. So I trying to that. like schedule someone else to come in at the same time, it was like annoying to do every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, it was just easier for me to do it by myself. Yeah. And I've had a couple people on it, which I've really enjoyed. So we've had a member, Nate, Nate Questel, mm-hmm. and him and I did a couple together. And I love that, like bantering back and forth. But sure. it was hard trying to get the right schedule and stuff. Yeah. Um, my mom has actually been on it oh, a couple cool. times. Yeah. And then um, – my wife has actually joined me on a couple as well. So it's it's mostly me, but I do like having other people involved uh, when it fits the subject matter and it feels like easy to schedule.
0: Right. That yeah. makes a little sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Jen talk. Oh, were you at the uh, USAPL competition? I don't remember if I saw you or not in uh, North Carolina and Charlotte, that they had, I think it was last weekend. Or do you go to any of mm-hmm. those?
1: I haven't been to any recently since the pandemic. Okay. I used to go to a lot with athletes. Um and then with the pandemic, it was just like, you know, can't go because you're not allowed. Yeah. And then uh, right now my wife is working from home. Mm-hmm. So I like trying to be with her as much as possible and share that time. We recently just got married, cool. actually, uh, New Year's Eve in 2020. Congrats. So 2020 was awful for everyone, but we wanted to end on a good note. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we ended up getting married on New Year's Eve. and. We've been enjoying kind of the newlywed time together. Yeah. So I've been um, helping my athletes, like, virtual coaching. So okay. they'll send me videos or we'll text all day okay. if they have a competition. Nice. But I haven't gone to any uh, recently. Gotcha.
0: No. Uh, any meets or competitions people should know about that are, um, how do I say it? like, uh, not highly publicized but uh, really popular, either in the North or South Carolina areas that happen, like, on a yearly basis?
1: Ooh, yeah. Um I know like USAPL has uh, Battle, battle on the Border. Battle on the Border. Okay. Which is typically they'll have two in this local area every okay. a year, a year. And those are almost always full immediately, but they're really fun because you've got a lot of people and you tend to have like the better athletes show up for it and stuff. Nice. So you have a mix of like people who are new, but plus some people showing off and doing some cool lifts. Sweet. So uh, I know USPA has a lot locally. Um, there, I don't know about any that are like. Uh, like specific ones that re reoccur but i know that they do so like i've had a couple clients go to like one they'll do in hickory in like august i don't know what the name of it is but it'll be like every year in hickory in august you know so there's definitely some consistency in those um as for like bodybuilding shows i tend not to follow the organizations very well so i'm i'm very much uh the ath like the athlete and I will talk about doing a competition Yeah. so I'll be like okay well when do you when do you think you'll be able to dedicate the prep time for it and they'll tell me these months and then we say okay so it looks like around say October November will be good so we'll just look for whatever their sport is we'll look at the organizations that are local we'll find the event and then we'll do it okay. so yeah so um, typically then like when I have people who do like uh, national level competitions then, of course, whenever that is, we have to do it. Yeah, and um, so I've flown out to Vegas a couple times and helped some athletes out there with that, so that was fun. So it's been, like, I've gone down to Miami for a couple, so it's been fun to kind of uh, travel around, like, pre-pandemic for all the bigger ones. I just haven't gotten back into the swing of doing that uh, recently, yeah. Gotcha.
0: Uh, I want to transition just a little bit and talk yeah. about gym equipment. Cause I, I like that topic. Um, is there, uh, are there pieces in here that you're particularly proud of? I know the, obviously the, the belt squat that you got, you and your dad made is, mm-hmm. is pretty awesome. But, uh, or like specialty bars or pieces of equipment that you've accumulated over the years, that you're like, that's pretty freaking sweet. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, uh, Sorenex is easily my favorite. So okay. they are local to us; they're only like 50 minutes down the road. Oh, cool. Yeah. So when I first opened in 2011, they are who I got my like brand new equipment from. Mm-hmm. So I got uh, squat racks and some barbells. Like they sent me some extra barbells and extra stuff as well. So they were amazing to me. Uh, which at the time when I was talking to um, the owner and like the kind of second in charge I'd met with them in person. And at the time I think they were making like $24 million a year. So it was like for me to make an order of like $80,000 equipment was like pennies to them, but they treated me amazingly, which was really meant a lot. So I really appreciate their stuff. Cause even 10 years later, it's, like brand new Mm -hmm. other than a couple like chip you know marks of paint the stuff works great so i love their stuff um now we do have like some old school nebula pieces which is always good so we have a nebula hack squat nebula leg press we have their chest supported uh row uh which is awesome because the handles move like in and out and they rotate so it's so the foot plate moves up and down so there's a lot of um kind of ways to make the equipment fit the person better so we have people that come in here and they'll train they're five foot tall but we also have people who are six six Mm -hmm. so trying to get equipment that can cover both ends is very challenging so we've been able to take the equipment and modify some so some of the pieces like we have a old pro maxima like power squat we had to cut like a cross base off of it so my five foot clients could go low enough so we had to cut that apart and then make that modified uh, we put band like band uh, capabilities on our half squat leg press which didn't exist wow. when we bought them we even did a reverse band brace for our leg press so you do reverse band working which helps kind of um, progress people mm-hmm. uh, to a heavier level uh heavier weight load faster yeah so, and then also uh, with the banding capabilities, like some of these sport athletes, they would like to do explosive one-legged presses. Yeah. Almost like a jump press. Yeah. So, it's been awesome using that. So, uh, Sornex is my favorite, uh, old school Nebula. We have uh, some Strive pieces that I really like. So, Strive has, like, the different three places you can load weight. Uh, it's, oh, now it's called... Oh, I just blanked on what the name of the company is now called. Like, I know... Um, Prime Fitness has like those. Maybe that's what they've updated to. Is they've like the underload, overload. So there's three different places to put weights, basically. Yeah. And what I love about that is we have an old school leg extension. And the best part is is the seat is actually angled backward. So your hip and your knee joint are kind of at the same height. So if you sit in a leg extension where your hip and your knee, like if you're sitting like this and you go to extend weight, it automatically puts a lot of pressure on your knee. If your hip is lower and you're elevated a little bit your knees elevated it, it lessens the pressure on the knee so it was a much friendlier version and then since you can change where the emphasis is you can change it to where as soon as they start when their knees most expanded or most stretched most vulnerable you can start with the lowest weight load then as they would extend their, their leg it would actually feel heavier and heavier and heavier so as they get to a safer joint position you can actually have the weight load increasing so that way they're not limited to the weakest part of the range of motion they can actually overload the strongest part and then underload the weakest part so we have a bicep curl that does the same thing, so, which is awesome because when you're extended, you're most at risk uh, for injury. It's also a great position to create muscle damage, but uh, dangerous for injury. But as you curl up, you can actually have it set up to where it gets heavier as you get to a, closer to a contraction. So as you feel stronger, the weight actually feels heavier. So you can match what's called your strength curve which is basically why people add bands to like squats and deadlifts and stuff is you're trying to have the weight feel maximally challenging at all parts of the range of motion. So those strive pieces were awesome for being able to do that. Yeah, and then we have... Um, couple other just kind of odds and ends, like we recently got a Nautilus glute drive, which I really like for like like basically hip thrusts, but without having to load a barbell up and put it back on your pad and all that stuff. So we made um, actually a, a handle for getting up out of that machine. <laughs> so um, what was funny was when we got it, I'd used one up in New Jersey and really loved the feel of it. And it has, like, a belt around your waist. So it's really easy setup, much easier than a barbell and stuff. And we do, like, some of our aesthetic clients, like glutes. You can never not train glutes. Everybody wants glutes. Uh, And guys should definitely be training their glutes. So it was a very quick and easy way for us to uh, use that machine to do hip thrusts while supersetting other things. Whereas when you do, like, a barbell setup, it's kind of time to get down on there. You have to funnel around things. So with that, though, we found with our older population, they had a hard time just doing a sit-up to get up out of the machine. So we put a bar on there so they can actually pull themselves up. So a lot of the equipment we've—I love the basics of it—and then we just kind of add a couple little things to it. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Is there anything that you would want to? Well, I know uh, again going back to the, the stuff that you've made, uh, you've made some add-ons, but is there anything that you would you feel is like missing from the fitness equipment space that you would like to make? That's I don't know, someone innovative or different.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. In a in couple ways, like I have a couple other things saved on my phone that uh, just titled Inventions. Yeah. <laughs> and it was uh, various things that, um, like, would want to add. Some of them are ridiculous, but some of them are actually, I would hope, pretty good. Uh, but, like, the cable attachment we made for our Concept 2 rower. Yeah. Like, that's something I found very beneficial, and I've actually sold some, like, to other places. So that was one that um, it was it was interesting like i'd sit down with a client and we're trying to do like thoracic work but with the straight bar handle you can't get as deep of a contraction so i remember telling my dad i'm like i want something on here where we can put on like just a set of d-rings like um that have a like, long neck attachment so people can actually pull back and like get contraction so we figured it out we made that um we actually made um weight loadable are you familiar with uh, body tempering by donnie thompson
0: I know Donnie, but uh, yeah, I don't so, know body
1: tempering. So he um, he created a concept of like essentially rolling heavy devices on you. So okay. rather than foam rolling where you roll on a like a like something, mm-hmm. um, body tempering is you take a heavy device and you roll it on yourself. Huh. So at the time, I went to a clinic of his. I think it was in 2014, and I loved the concept. It was a really cool concept, especially for the hamstrings because the hamstrings are so hard to get opened up if people have been sitting all day. Yeah. So I loved it, but at the time, he, there was no product mm-hmm. for it. So he was getting uh, kind of metal pipes, like big pipes and stuff from junkyards. And my dad had just recently made me a circus dumbbell for our strongman athletes. And we were looking at it one day and I was like, you know, if you took the end of the circus dumbbells, just got rid of the handle and put those together. That's essentially something I could load and roll on people. Oh, yeah. So we actually made that. So uh, actually, we made it back in 2015. Um, actually, Kabuki Strength sells uh, loadable rollers now. So, yeah. So um, so we had that back in 2015. We made that, and we made various sizes. So we have one that fits, like, 10-pound plates, and then we made smaller ones for, like, arms and forms and stuff that we made machined plates ourselves. So it was really cool. So we've we've definitely been, uh, been lucky to... Kind of be on the edge, like with the industry in certain ways. So I have um, a company right now I'm talking with, but we have an agreement not to share yeah. uh, information. So yes, yeah, so there's a company I'm talking with now. Uh, we share ideas and kind of uh, are collaborating towards things. So oh, it's awesome. a very exciting opportunity, very cool things. Yeah, yeah I just can't talk about it yet. So, yeah. No, yeah. That's
0: totally mm-hmm. Well, and 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 you having trained like actually pro athletes that would know better about those kinds of movements and the things that are needed from an equipment standpoint than most other people would even maybe even an equipment manufacturer doesn't have the background.
1: Yeah. It's, so. it's, it's interesting. I think you may have known this too is like, like since you deal with equipment is very rarely does any one company make every piece good. Yes. So I don't know what happens. Like mm-hmm. they'll have an awesome like leg extension, but their hamstring curls crap or yes. they'll have a, like a pull down machine that feels awful. And I'm like, who sat on this and who used this? Like, why mm-hmm. did this? So it's interesting that, I do feel like companies need more opinions and because especially with training variety of people you train yeah. people 5 foot tall to 6 foot 6 you train people who are 16 I have people compete at 16 years old mm-hmm. and then I've trained people in the 70s and 80s and then you train people in bodybuilding you train people in powerlifting you train people in you know say like sport performance so it's it's not hard but people miss the boat on making equipment that can reach all of those people And it's surprising because it's very small modifications, like a little knob here that slides this thing up and down. And like some things can be done very easily, but people just get to, they they get to a point where they like the piece. They haven't talked to enough people yet. So they just start producing it and they're done. Mm. And it's just surprising. And um, so that's been one thing I've seen in like equipment is, People will do what they do very well, but they miss the boat on expanding it. So you'll have like pendulum squats are really like big nowadays. So you'll have a manufacturer who makes a pendulum squat, but they don't have any way for people to add bands. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves to add bands on everything nowadays. Mm -hmm. So all you'd have to do is literally weld on a peg to the bottom frame and boom, there's your band peg. They still won't do it. So people are wrapping bands around the frame. They're wrapping it around this other thing that for the most part will work. Some people don't know though, so they'll wrap the band slightly crooked. So you're unfortunately like twisting the machine. Like now it won't show up until 10 years later. But when you're a gym owner and you now have a machine that wobbles all the time, it's annoying as hell. So we oh, yeah. bought um, – like there's a, a like a Roman – adjustable Roman chair that I have mm-hmm. that I bought used. And uh, the – peg the plate the metal plate that the peg would go in and out from use the holes had actually worn open so when you get in it it would actually rock a little bit huh. so i had to contact the manufacturer get a brand new plate to put on then my dad and i machined a different part that, where like the rod goes through that you pivot around yep. so we, we got that nice and snug so now that thing's probably 15 years old but it has no movement at all it works absolutely perfect as if it's brand new and all you'd have to do is like it was i think thirty dollars in parts and you can take something that's fifteen years old and make it look brand new. So it's it's amazing that people don't do that as companies. Like why they don't do that themselves. Yeah. 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 Wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I find that stuff fascinating. Well and, and I also I like seeing the iterations of equipment too and the build quality differences between some of the legacy mm-hmm. equipment and some of the newer stuff. Some of the newer stuff is made really well. Some of the more newer stuff, especially the residential side, is made Absolutely horribly. Yes. There are exceptions, but um, I didn't want to ask you. I don't think I've ever asked you by this before. What's your opinion on the chain-driven stuff versus the belt drive versus, say, the cables? Do you, did, I, ha- I have yet to see, and I, I could be wrong, but I have yet to see a, a chain-driven piece break.
1: I was going to say durability is going to be, like, one of the biggest factors. So we have a chain-driven piece. Our power squats chain-driven, yeah. and um, that I got that actually from a high school. And high school kids were not would not be kind to any piece of equipment whatsoever, of course. And they're gonna load the thing up to a thousand pounds. So we got that from them and other than having to replace a pad that thing has taken be- our beating, us beating it up for 10 years, plus whatever the athletes did before that, wow. and it's chain driven. So literally, like if the chain were to break, you just go to a bike shop and you buy a chain and put it back on. Wow. You know, Whereas we've had like one of our Strive pieces, we had a tricep extension. Mm-hmm. Um, someone in the gym didn't know exactly how to use it correctly, they did, but they weren't. So <laughs> they were using it uh, to stand in front of it to do like mimic like dips. Okay. And they had it loaded up way heavier, I think like 500 pounds. Oh. Because leverages was set up to where it was in the lifter's favor, ah. so they just kept adding plates till it felt heavy. So it was like 500 pounds on a, on a, a belt, like that was like um, uh, essentially like those like rubber Robert belt closet. things. Yeah. So what happened was, is uh-huh. it actually slid out from the thing that was pinching the end. It was so heavy, it pulled out so uh, that member is no longer a member <laughs> because they knew they were doing something wrong um so we had to fix that but you'll see that where in a chain the chain may have held up fine or it might have snapped mm-hmm. but much easier fix yeah where with that we had to get a whole new belt i had to like yeah. go through and like remake the piece because it bent a piece of metal so like durability chain driven is definitely going to last longer mm-hmm. and like cables are actually pretty easy but the depending on whether the cable's coated or not. Yeah. So we have a um, cable tower from Sornex and it has two pulleys, and it's set up to where, like, if you use one pulley, it's half the weight. If you use both pulleys, it's full weight. Okay. And for it to be able to do that, they have to use a lot of uh, li- little pulley things. Oh, so you yeah. have two different cables, but it's like, I think it's like eight, eight little pulley wheels on it. Good. So due to uh, that, due to having to go through so many pulleys, when it, we get a coated cable mm-hmm. is there's not enough eccentric load uh, so you pull it and it almost doesn't even want to go back yeah because that's to go through all those small little pulleys like right. some of the pulleys are only like three inches oh, so we found if we got an uncoated cable that the eccentric was better. Huh. So we just now get a bare steel cable, mm-hmm. but over time that pulls and shreds and breaks and then as it does that it'll wear away at the plastic of the pulley. So we found like with cable stuff, if you have to get a bare cable, you have to replace pulleys more often. So there is more durability issues with things other than the chain driven. Yeah. Chain driven seems to just work forever. Yeah. So yeah. Uh,
0: I lo- I love that. And that that seems to be consistent with the the stuff that I've gotten. So that's that's I I was just curious from a general yeah. owner's perspective, what the differences were. Um, from uh, uh, So you've – oh, uh, what I wanted to ask is, since you're pretty into the nutrition side of things, um, mm-hmm. are there any um, – high-level tips that you can give for beginners who are just starting out with resistance training? I like to ask people who've got that kind of background um, that you would get that most people miss on when they're just
1: starting. Uh, the funny answer is is most people miss on exactly what they should do, ah. and they look for the, all the small details. Ah. So people will worry about like so whether they're having brown rice versus white rice, mm. but they won't know their calorie content. They won't have a clue how much protein they're eating. And so in regards to like what's most impactful in regard in, terms of results whether it's fat loss whether it's sport performance whether it's building muscle most impactful is going to be calories because it determines kind of the direction of your weight change so if i eat ice cream all day but i eat less calories than i need i will lose weight i might not feel good all day and the weight's going to look like crap but i will lose weight whereas if i eat healthy food organic everything but i overeat my calories i will get fat i will gain body fat even if it's all healthy food so calories is it's not like calories matters and nothing else does. It's just calorie matters more. So calories is the first thing I would have people kind of track in a way. So we have some people that will use like a fitness tracking app, like MyFitnessPal or something like that. Or, or they'll do a volume control where we'll say, okay, anytime you have meat, you know, have three to, three to five ounces. I'm just making up numbers. And if they're super hungry at that meal, they would have five. If they are not that hungry, they only have three, but they have to eat the meal. So you give them like ranges of food. So for carbohydrates, you can have any carbohydrate as long as you have a cup to a cup and a half. So whether it's mashed potatoes, whether it's sweet potato, whether it's rice, if they do a cup to a cup and a half, that's a volume control. So in a sense, you're controlling their portions, which in then turn controls their calories. So it depends on if somebody's brand new, any degree of control is better than what they are probably doing. So you're just trying to get them in a ballpark of calories. And if you get that streamlined, to at least some consistency. Say right now, one day they're eating 1,000, next day they're eating 5,000, the following day they're eating 3,000. You're just trying to normalize that to a smaller window. Within that, while doing that, you then teach them protein and what the importance of protein is, the benefits of it, and then how much protein they need. And there are various ranges for various people, but in general, is 0.6 to 1 gram per pound of body weight is pretty good protein intake so if i weigh 150 pounds i should well let's do math a little easier for me (laughs) so (laughs) if if the person weighs 200 pounds they would eat 60 percent of that which would be what is that 120 pounds i mean 120 grams say they eat 120 grams up to 200 grams of protein a day now for some people they're not paying attention at all so they might only be at 60 i'm not going to tell them all of a sudden to go to 120 it's that's going to be miserable so you just try to walk them up to it but usually if they're 0.6 to 1 gram that's plenty good enough so even my advanced athletes who are training you know six seven days a week you still don't need much more than one gram per pound of body weight i've done diets where i've done uh, two grams per pound of body weight and i did that for uh, sustained months and what i found was there was no change of body composition in a positive way i was actually just tired all the time oh, wow. because there wasn't enough caloric allowance for yeah. carbohydrates and fats right. so i had to actually bring my protein down give myself more cal- uh, carbs and fats and actually looked leaner i felt better i performed better because I wasn't using up all my calories for protein so um, and then you'll also just have different digestive stress and like uh, it's just too much protein is as bad almost as not enough protein so getting protein consistent is good and then the third thing we do is meal timing so People always say, like, well, how many meals a day should I have? Whatever you can be consistent with. Yeah. So if you eat like a jerk now and you eat whatever the heck you feel like eating all the time. Uh, so if some days it's one meal. The next day it's seven because you're super hungry. The next day it's three. We just try to normalize that some. And if they if their schedule allows three meals, then we have three meals. If their schedule allows four, we do four. If it allows five, we do five. In general, more meals allows you more um, times that you can modify what you're doing throughout the day. So typically I have clients try to get to five times they would eat in a day. So it's typically gonna be breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then like something between breakfast and lunch, something between lunch and dinner. What you're trying to do is reverse them from eating everything at night and nothing during the day, which is what everyone does. Everybody says they're too busy to eat. It's like, oh, okay. So, So you try to get them to eat more during the day, less at night. And then every single time you eat, you're ingesting calories, which then represents at that moment a surplus. So you have little micro surpluses as micro deficits all day. So when people think of calories, they unfortunately only think of it as 24 hours, but every minute of the day you're using calories. So depending on the activity level of this hour versus the next hour, you might need more food now, less food later. And that better balances your output versus input. So you can better control body fat. So you can actually allow people to eat more food while controlling body fat and a leaner body weight. So it's, it's, Timing, those things are more important. So all of that is more important whether they have brown rice or white rice. yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that's where everyone starts is they all start with eating better foods, mm-hmm. but they don't pay attention to calories. They don't pay attention to protein. They don't pay attention to meal frequency effects. Yep. Yeah. So those are definitely the first places. So on our daily podcast, uh, every time I talk about nutrition, Literally, probably every four podcasts is a nutrition one. Probably every single nutrition podcast, I reiterate that. So we have podcasts that I always send them back to. So like podcast one fifty three is how many calories do I need? Podcast thirty three is how much protein do I need? So we have podcasts that I just reference them back to all the time. But those are by far the three most impactful components, uh, which would be calories, protein content, and meal frequency. If you can get those things right the what of what you eat matters very little. It's actually more so just individual preference and digestive ease throughout the day. So if I did have ice cream all day, I'm going to have big highs and lows of energy. Okay. So you're going to have energy, like energy now because the ice cream digests now, but then in an hour and a half you're going to be like, holy crap, I'm really hungry. So what you eat kind of determines how you feel, okay. whereas the calories, the protein and the meal frequency actually determines the way you look, the way you perform, so the bigger concepts.
0: Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's probably, well, and depending on if you're training, you want the faster digesting calories and yeah, that kind like of thing. Sometimes
1: sugar is actually the best thing you can eat because yeah. you want to have like, if I've just got off work and I haven't eaten in four or five hours and yeah. so I'm about to go to the gym, drinking some Gatorade is a great idea yeah. because it's going to give you energy right now that you can use in your workout. Right. But people tell me all the time, oh, I can't have sugar. It's going to make me fat. And I'm like, no, it won't. Mm-hmm. Too much sugar makes you fat. Sure. sure. Too much of anything makes you fat. Of course. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a lot simpler than people want to make it, and uh, also, I mean, somewhat more complicated too if you're going advanced. I'm sure with well, and like you said, with bodybuilding, it's totally it's a totally different game depending on the hour of the day.
1: Yes, you're (laughs) you're playing the same game of modifying calories, protein, meal timing, and what you eat, like the macronutrient quality. Yep, Uh, but now. More things matter. Yeah. So, yeah, like I've helped people lose weight eating at McDonald's every day. Nice. So there was one example. I remember a guy, he had um, he had two kids that had special needs, mm-hmm. and he was a single parent. Mm-hmm. And it was just overwhelming for him. Mm-hmm. So he'd get up in the morning. He would try to do, like, I think 30 minutes of a rower mm-hmm. at home. And then once the kids were awake, he had to kind of take care of them. He had somebody help watch them as he would drive to work. He would then eat through. He would work through his lunch hour, and then he would eat on the way back home. So then by the time he was home, he could give his kids all of his attention. So it was easier for him to eat fast food on the way to work, eat fast food at work, eat fast food on the way home. Wow. And he's like, I don't know. I don't have time to cook and prep because I'm just really busy. So I told him, I said, hey, you know, that's fine. Here's the McDonald's menu. Let's figure out what we can eat on this that gets you healthier. He lost 30 pounds, like reduced his blood pressure, got super healthy, and he was still able to eat fast food. So can a bodybuilder do that? No. (laughs) But can somebody who's just wanting to get better health? Yes.
0: That's amazing. I I just did an article for um, uh, uh, some – news source online about that and that was one of the first things I mentioned is you can you can have McDonald's you can do you can eat what you want but you've got to be honest about tracking what you're putting in your body Absolutely. and that's what most people miss is like you're saying if it's if it's about calories in calories out meal timing and that kind of thing um, you can predict but you have to know what's going in first (laughs) yes you know yeah like a cup is a cup and uh, but most people are doing two three or four cups Mm -hmm. Uh, but they don't they're, because they're not putting on a scale or anything, it's yeah, yeah they have no idea what they're consuming. Yeah, it's
1: very easy, um, and we're all this way, myself included. But we all like to lie to ourselves. Like yeah, we like to make ourselves out better than we are. Oh that's yeah. uh, just human nature. Yeah. So. You know, if you ask somebody, like, always one of the funny things is when you do a nutrition consultation with somebody, and you'll say, well, what, like, how, what, what's your normal foods? Mm-hmm. They'll tell you something that looks like a, somebody, like, pre-contest diet for a bodybuilder, <laughs> and I'm like, I know you're not eating this, like, but in, in their mind, they don't want to be judged. Yeah. They're afraid that I'm going to, like, say negative things to them, mm-hmm. and I understand, like, that part of the interaction of it, uh, but at the same time is they also have that kind of truth in their head of... This is what I want to tell people, this mm-hmm. is what I want to believe about myself so I feel better about myself. Yeah. But the more we can scrape that away and get to the reality, mm-hmm. it might hurt to know what we're doing because we know it's like we're making mistakes or we're choosing the wrong thing, mm-hmm. like voluntarily choosing wrong things, which we know doesn't feel good to do. We yeah. don't want to admit that. But the more we can admit, the more truth we can get, the more then we can modify and make changes. So if somebody's just lying to you about their food, like I've actually had somebody send me their diet I sent them back to, it and I said, follow this for a week. And, and then they presented it to me as if this is what they normally did. I know they didn't do that. So I said, "If like, go ahead and follow this for a week. I want you to honestly try this. And I went through and told them, like, I have a eating disorder background. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I uh, was anorexic for a couple of years when I was younger. Oh, wow. And I've gone through everything under the sun of I did a diet one time uh, where I lost 50 pounds in eight weeks just to see if I could do it. But I freaked out, drove to food line and ate an entire half gallon of chocolate marshmallow ice cream in the parking lot because I just couldn't handle it. So I've made every mistake that they've made. So I definitely never want to come at somebody judging them. I've been exactly where they've been. Um, So I told them like a little bit about myself and I said, if this is what you believe to be healthy food. Please try this. Just try it for a week and let me know, and then I'll help you make this work. And they did, and all of a sudden they lost a lot of weight, and they were feeling better. So it was something that they wanted to be true of themselves. So I was like, well, then let's make it true. Yeah. Let's work with that. Now, it doesn't always work that way, um, but getting people to be more honest, whether it's nutrition, whether it's training, whether it's just anything outside of the gym, it's always going to be a better way to live life. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure.
0: Uh going back to the, a little bit to the business side of things and um just uh, do you have any uh, two I'll I'll ask this two ways uh do you have any horror stories of things that have happened in the gym that's just like <laughs> oh my gosh I can't believe and then uh on the on the bright side do you have any really cool success stories either from athletes you trained or mm-hmm. like business things have happened here either here in the gym or out, outside
1: Yeah um the horror stories are definitely like unfortunately there are some Yeah, yeah you'd have people who come in and uh, just act like idiots. So there's. Well, I had one guy. He was. He met well. Um, <laughs> I went home for uh, one of the earlier years of owning the business. I would never, if I ever missed a day of being here, it was really random. Mm. And my parents still lived in Pennsylvania at the time, so I would go up to to visit them. Yeah. So I would go home for maybe like three days over Thanksgiving. And one time when I was gone, a member uh, before I had left. One of our toilets, the men's toilet, you have to hold the lever down for three seconds for it to do its thing. If you just kind of tap it, it doesn't really work. Yeah. Well, he had told me he was a plumber and that he could fix it. And I was like, please don't. Please don't do that. Like, I could take care of it. That's not, not what I want you to do. So but thank you very much. So while I was gone, he took the initiative to change it. So unfortunately, what he did was when he thought he fixed it, he left the flap completely up and the chain had fallen into the bike. So, for however long I was gone, whenever he did that, water was just running straight through the toilet the entire time. So my water bill was not very nice that month. Um, so when I came back, like, I, I had seen it where somebody had told me about it, and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, what the heck? So I looked on our cameras, we have a camera system, cause it's 24 hour gym, and I saw that he had gone in there and fixed it. So I asked him, when he came back in, I said, hey, you know, I, I was, pretty clear I didn't want you doing that. So I really don't appreciate you doing that. So unfortunately we're gonna to have to cancel your membership. Well he told me to go bleep myself and it was not very funny. He asked me to go out in the parking lot and fight him and stuff and <laughs> it was just interesting. So we've had times like that. So yeah. um we had another guy had to kick out and on his way out he flipped over the trash can that's outside and unfortunately he forgot his keys in the gym. So he got out to his truck, realized he forgot his keys had to walk back in, and I was standing by the door. So I opened the door, I handed him keys, and then he just, like, nobody said anything. But then as he walked past the trash can, he tried to pick it back up, got embarrassed, and then laughed. So he had uh <laughs> so it's been quite a few things that have happened that way. Um, wow. But the good stuff is definitely what makes you keep coming. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and, like, my favorite stories are the stories where people have been in pain or they thought a level of fitness was beyond their capacity. And when you get them coming in here, you can get them, get rid of pain. So we had one guy, um, he hurt his back doing wakeboarding when he was in his 20s. And um, I forget exactly what he did to his back. But a doctor at the time, I think he was in his late 20s, and the doctor told him that exercise was not good. It would hurt his back and he shouldn't exercise. So by 47 years old, he had gotten, you know, belly he was overweight. And he saw himself in a picture and said that he really Hated to see photos of himself, and he finally wanted to change it. So I was training somebody at the time. And he came into the gym, and I said, "Oh, you looking to join?" He said, "I am fat. I'm out of shape. I'm weak. I need I need somebody to fix me." And I was like, "Jeez, I wish." Oh, yes, okay, <laughs> so I was okay. like, "That's I feel bad <laughs> for you." So we started working. Um, he has he got got to a point where he had no back pain and he deadlifted 500 pounds on his 50th 50, 50 years old. No way. Yeah. So, and it's like, those are the stories that matter the most is when you can see somebody who feels trapped in life, whether like I help people with eating disorders. So we have a connection with a local therapist who will send people who, if she believes that exercise will help and nutrition education will help. So I'll work with them and to see some of them now, like years later, they're out in the world, living healthy, healthy, happy life, and you can just see that they're healthy now. Like they have like better. You can see it in their face when yeah. somebody has eating disorder, especially uh, bulimia, and especially very bad levels. So just seeing that is like by far the the best things. So those are the ones that kind of um, make me the most motivated. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean. Uh, I can imagine for and and you said you've been so you've been so you've been training people for how
1: long was it again? So, so 18 years old. I uh, was old. I've been paid to train people. Okay. So I trained people before that, but not for money, so I don't count it. Yeah. yeah. So at 18 was uh, I used to travel with a set of power blocks. Oh yeah. Uh, in the back seat in the back of the truck of my car, so I'd have like a mat and power blocks, and I would drive to people's houses and no train way. them. And uh, so that was like the start of my personal training career. So I'm 37 now. So I've been doing it for 19 years now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: What motivated you to start training at 18?
1: Um, I actually started uh, on my 15th birthday at school. I was um, kind of like short, chubby, Mm -hmm. and I was play fighting with a friend. And we were just kind of like picking on each other. And he made the comment of, at least I'm not fat. And I was like, well, dang. Like "Mm, I didn't like that. I didn't like that that was true. I was like, oh, I didn't didn't really. If you had asked me if I was overweight, Mm -hmm. I probably would have said yes. But I never had somebody like throw it back at me. Yeah. So I got mad at myself because I didn't like that I had allowed something to be true of me that I wouldn't have wanted somebody to say. So it wasn't his fault for saying it. It was my fault for being it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, this is, no, I hate this. I'm not letting this go. So it was my 15th birthday. And on that day, I decided to do 250 push-ups and 250 sit-ups every day. And I wow. thought that that would help. Now, at the time, I knew nothing. So I thought push-ups was going to build my chest. I didn't know you needed food. I just thought the act of exercising built a muscle. But somehow, at the same time, I thought crunches would help me lose fat on my belly without thinking that that would build my abs. So I have no clue what the hell I was thinking. <laughs> this is uh, just one of those things when you're like younger teenager, you don't have a clue what you don't know. Um, so I thought push-ups would build my chest. I thought sit-ups would lose my belly. But at the time, I couldn't even do 20 push-ups in a row. Like, it, it hurt me to try to get 15 to 16, and I set the goal of 250 every day. So from my 15th birthday to my 16th birthday, I only missed 10 days. So yes, I was actually did it and I would stay up till three in the morning, four in the morning if I had to and get up back at seven and go to school. And I was able to do it every day except for 10, seven of those. I was on a boy scout trip. So I was in boy scouts and Eagle scout and I was on a hiking trip and I was too embarrassed to do it in front of my friends. So I missed seven days like because of that. So Getting closer to my 16th birthday, my parents knew that I was, like, interested in fitness, and i talked about wanting to get a weight set. So we lived in the middle of nowhere, so there was really no gyms around. Like, you'd have to drive, like, 40 minutes to get to a gym. So they agreed to let me use half of our garage. We have a two-car garage. Oh, cool. So I would park my car outside, and uh, which was miserable in the winter in Pennsylvania. But it worked. So I put a carpet, got a weight set, and the weight set at the time was – a Bench that would do like slight decline, flat, and incline, had a leg extension, leg curl on the end of it, yep, yep. and then the uprights you could use the backside to do squats off of. Cool. And then they had attachment you could do dips. Yep. So I had, I was and plus, it was 300 pounds of plates oh. and a barbell. So I think it was like $600 in total. So it was my birthday, Christmas, Easter, next birthday, next Christmas gift. <laughs> so it was awesome. My parents did that for me. So I started lifting, and uh, at the time. I could get uh, muscle and fitness. I think it was, like, it was muscle and fitness magazines, then muscular development magazines came out. So when my mom would go to Walmart to do uh, shopping, we used to have a daycare in our home. So I would go with my mom, then we would do shopping, and it would be like quite a, quite a, quite a trip because she yeah. would have to buy a lot for the daycare kids as well. So I would get those magazines every month. And within the first night, I'd have them entirely read. But I would try to do any exercises, any workouts I could find in there. And then when I was 17, we got internet. So I'm so old that we didn't have internet uh, when I was younger. So now 17, we got internet at the house. It was dial-up internet. Oh, yes. yes. Dude, I remember. Yes. So I remember watching RX Muscle in the Iron Asylum. And it was interviews by Dave Palumbo with professional bodybuilders. So I would... I would come home. It was a 20-minute video, but it would take two hours to download. Yep. And then if anybody called the house, I'd hang up on them immediately. So I felt bad. <laughs> looking <laughs> looking back at it now, no one got to call our house for, like, the two hours after I got home from school. Even if it was, like, my mom's daycare, I was just hanging up on people the whole time so I could get that video downloaded. So I would download it. I would watch it, and then I'd go to the basement and try to do whatever i could of that workout yeah so i just try to do every day every time they downloaded something i would watch that and try to mimic it and then i got arnold's uh, arnold's uh, encyclopedia of bodybuilding mm-hmm. and started doing everything out of that so um what happened was is i started learning more and then if i was lifting for like a sports team like we were lifting for football our coach would uh, at the time our coach was not actively involved so he would open the door to the weight room and then I don't know what he did after that. So we had no program. So I used to just do stuff based on what I'd learned Well, my friends were like, well, what are you doing? So they started joining me and I started showing them things. So I started really loving showing other people and my genetics were crap. So, uh, at, when I first started lifting, I was like five, 8, 165 and you could grab like fat rolls. I had no muscle definition at all. So, uh, in conjunction with the 250 push-ups and 250 sit-ups I didn't eat I ate one meal a day when my parents could see me at dinner but other than that I didn't eat anything because I thought it would help me lose fat faster so I ended up at 18 years old being six foot tall still 165 and you could still grab fat rolls around me so I was probably maybe 135 in like lean physique yeah. at six foot tall so I was very 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 thin So when I would show my friends, they would get bigger muscles and they would look better. And I'm like, this sucks. Like, you know, so I'm showing them and they're getting all the good results. I'm getting nothing. Um, So that kind of sparked my interest in in, in nutrition because I realized it wasn't training that was a problem. Like from 16 to 18 years old, if I missed a single workout, I'd have been surprised. I worked out every single day because I was a very addictive personality. So, I mean, one time, like when I was 18, I started, I read a so in order to change from eating nothing, I read an article by Lee Priest, who was a bodybuilder from Australia. And he said the best way for young people to grow would be to eat a whole chicken, whole loaf of bread, and a gallon of milk every day. And I was like, well, I'm not going to get a chicken every day. And, like, like I, th- I thought bread would just make me fat. So I was like, I like the milk, and I don't like to eat. So I was like, I'll just drink a gallon of milk every day. Oh, yeah, so I drank a gallon of milk every single day for two years. Didn't miss a single day for two years. I drank a gallon of milk. Unfortunately, there's a lot of sugar in milk, so I got fat. <laughs> so so I went from one hundred sixty five fat to like to like one ninety fat er. So that was a bummer and it took a long time to take that off. But it let me go from when I graduated high school, I felt very like thin in clothes, and I didn't like the way I looked. Yeah. So I, the prospect of going to college and meeting all new people, that was very overwhelming. If I didn't like the way I looked, they're not going to like me. You know. So it was kind of one of those connections you make. Yeah. So I was like, well, if I can't be lean, at least I can be big. Yeah. So that's why I started drinking a gallon of milk every day. Nice. So I started trying to gain weight. Even if it looked like crap, at least it filled out a T-shirt. So um, and it was something where I never took my shirt off like when I'd go swimming with friends or families, I would always have my shirt on in the swimming pool and it was something I was very self-conscious about. So it was then like around 1920 I started learning enough about food to start leaning out a little bit. and then it was in my kind of early 20s to mid-20s I started making more sense to me. So I've in a sense like now I weigh 275 and I'm actually leaner at 275 than I was at 165. Wow. So I have a lower body fat percentage now than I did back then. Yeah, and it's just from continuing to learn and experiment over time. Yeah, yeah so long-winded answer, but that's how I got into it, was uh, basically just driven by self-hate <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just years of trying to crush myself into something better. Uh, so I've 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 worked really hard to transition now to where, like if I look in the mirror now, there are things I want to fix, but I am very proud of the of the changes I have made. But that took a long time. That took a yeah. long, long time to be able to uh change that mindset of like my my physical looks is my worth right and it was a long time to kind of fix that and then i had uh like other complications where like i'm blind in my left eye oh no way and uh, it was from birth and uh, i was always nervous that i would look cross-eyed so for a lot of years i didn't look people in the face like i'd always look down or i'd try to shy away from meeting people so there's a lot of things to overcome that um physical fitness helped me do that so physical training helped me emotionally and mentally way more than ever did physically so that's why i connect to those stories when you're saying like the good stories that motivate me and it is those stories of people who are thinking like they're going to be in pain forever or they're going to be overweight forever or you know anytime you can make an emotional mental change with somebody that's why it fires me up so much is because that's what it did for me yeah
0: yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh where uh I'm going to ask you about your podcast. So where mm-hmm. and on, what episodes can people go to if they're just learning about, nutri- starting to learn about nutrition and they want to get either lean or gain more weight?
1: Yeah. Podcast 41 is titled uh, Diet Right, What Matters Most? Okay. And it talks about the order of what matters most. Okay. So podcast 41 is the best one. Podcast 153 then covers how many calories you need. Mm-hmm. Podcast 33 covers protein. Okay. And then in those ones, it'll tell you kind of where to go next. But those will be the first three that I would send anybody to anybody, too, if they want to learn about nutrition.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, you and I talked about this before we started filming, but um, those were back before I got a better microphone. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, so the sound quality is up. Un- you, can, you can hear it and you can understand it, yeah. but it's definitely muffled because I'm just talking into my laptop. Sure. Uh, so there has since been new microphones, and set, like they sound better now. Uh, but those ones are still good enough content, and you can still hear them that I, I still want them available to people. Awesome. Uh, but those will be the, definitely the first ones. to Check out 41. 153, then 33. Gotcha. Yeah. Have you
0: thought about transcribing those uh, so people could actually read? What you were saying?
1: I had a lady reach out. Like I've been fortunate that the podcast has grown. Yeah. So um, actually, we have twenty percent of listeners from outside the United States. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. We've reached every all fifty states with nice. the podcast over the years. So it's been fun, uh, and it's helped me have clientele like all across the United States and other other yeah. places. Like I have clients in Austria, Spain, like uh, so, England, stuff wow. like that. So it's really cool. So it's reached out a little everywhere. So I had a lady from Spain reach out and offer to. do do that hmm. and I haven't uh, kind of followed up with her yet because I wasn't sure what the process was but it's, it's at that stage now where like people have requested it so she thought it was awesome because uh, she uh, speaks and understands English but she was trying to share some of the information with her family oh. and they didn't so she's like would you mind if I would you know convert this over to Spanish oh, so nice. I can show them Okay. and I was like yeah I don't care go for it you know wow. and um, but I do realize that there would probably be if I could do that as a service, that would probably be better than making people do it on their own. Sure. Yeah. So that would be something that would be pretty cool to get into. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Or even even just to translate back right back into English, so people like uh, uh, if you don't like the sound quality, you could just read the That's true. The you stuff can just that read that the transcript. Yeah. You're saying that's yeah. awesome. So
1: it's been pretty cool. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so where can people find you, and where can people find the gym?
1: Okay. So uh, the website www. would be kind of the most basic place to go mm-hmm. i will admit that i do not update it that much because it's through wordpress and i'm frustrated by how wordpress works i'm in the same boat man it doesn't work the way i want it to yep. <laughs> so it's all on me i gotta learn that better <laughs> um but that is going to give some of the basics they're going to see a little bit about the gmc pictures of clients see the different type of services we have but instagram i try to post on the most it's it's the format that makes sense to me it it flows easier every day. So I'm not spending so much time on it. Uh, so Instagram would be the first place to check out for social media, whatever from Instagram shares to Facebook and Twitter. I do that, but it doesn't always share videos for whatever reasons. So I am on Facebook and Twitter, but it doesn't have the most up-to-date stuff. And then we have a YouTube channel that I'll post stuff, every now and then when I get to it (laughs) so uh, with the podcast client training clients and like doing online client work I I pick and choose what I want to be good at so Instagram is something I choose to do well every day as well as well with the podcast so the podcast we should be on every podcast platform it's all under the name Brutal Iron Jam so actually funny enough my wife and I we just installed Apple TV at home our home office Mm -hmm. and just for fun I just looked myself up on Apple Podcast (laughs) so it was kind of cool just to see like the icon I was like I'm on here so it's pretty fun um but that would be the website would be good basic information www.brutalirongym.com and then you can find us on our podcast any podcast platform under the name brutal iron gym and instagram under the name brutal iron gym Yes.
0: Well, definitely go and listen to this guys' information, uh, refer to those podcast episodes if you guys are interested in the nutrition aspect. Uh, you have an awesome background for all of that. And if you're in Rock Hill, South Carolina, check out Brutal Iron Gym. Uh, come and hang out with this guy and uh, see what it's all about. The equipment in the facility is amazing. It's Like you said, it's got something for everybody, so mm-hmm. um, you guys really need to... To, to see what he's got going on but I appreciate you coming on man
1: yeah thank you very much I really yeah. I genuinely appreciate the opportunity it's oh, really yeah. fun getting to talk and getting to share information that might help people yeah absolutely
0: yeah. anytime well thank you and uh, I'm sure we'll be catching up soon but uh, I appreciate it
1: yeah thank Good you, you very you. much thank you. thank
0: you for listening please give Freedom Cast a five star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts it would mean a lot a lot a lot to our business plus it's fun to read y'all's reviews see you next time